all who have ever fully and faithfully believed in and belonged to God have always had access to his blessed promise that they need never fear nor be afraid of anything on earth and no matter what happens in their world. Listen to what God told childless Abraham, the future father of the faithful, as early on as Genesis 15:1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. In Genesis chapter 26 and verse 24, the Lord appeared to Isaac and he said to him, he said, I am the God of your father Abraham, Abraham, let me start that again. I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear for I am with you. Consider what the mighty man of God Moses said to the congregation of God's people when they were facing some of the greatest national threats and challenges of their entire existence. In fact, I'll ask you to turn to this one with me. We're going to turn to a few of them. Deuteronomy 31, please turn there. What Moses said, what Moses understood. We've already talked about Abraham and Isaac and God always telling his people, do not fear. You don't have to live in fear. Deuteronomy chapter 31, Look at verses six through eight. That is our reference. Moses has a message for God's people. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong and of good courage. For you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he's the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. It was very similar words of comfort and, and God saying, do not be afraid, that we're all familiar with in Joshua chapter 1. As, as similar words are, are repeated to Joshua. One of my favorite passages in all of Scripture is in Psalm 46. Please turn there. God has always told his people, you don't need to live in fear. One of my favorites. I rely on this one. <laughs> Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help, means God's there for you in the midst of the worst of times, a very present help in trouble, therefore we will not fear. Even though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea and its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, 
in spite of all of these earth-shaking, earth-shattering things, we will not fear because God is our refuge and our strength. Actually, it goes on to say in verses 4 through 6, There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. We sing a song like that, don't we? God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The reason I go so far as to read verses 4 and 5 is I want you to, to understand kind of the contrast here, or, or the, the correlation, I should say. Verses 1 through 3, we will not fear, because God is our refuge and strength, and none of those earth-shaking things can shake the place where God is. That's the idea in verses 4 and 5. God's people have always had that promise, you need not fear. Remember what David wrote in the 23rd Psalm, one of the most favorite and quoted Psalms in the Bible? Turn there with me, even if you can quote it word for word, I want to show you something. Psalm 23. And don't just skip over this like, oh yeah, I've heard this before. Think of it in the context of God always telling his people, you don't need to be afraid. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Watch this verse. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a place before me, a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Did David know what it was like to have enemies and things coming at him all the time? Sure he did, but he said, yeah, but right in the middle of all that, God is there and I need not fear. And then he says in verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and... I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What does verse 6 mean? Verse 6 means I'm going to walk with the Lord and I'm going, to, I'm going to live my life for Him all the days of my life while I'm here. And then what? And then I get to live with Him forever. It's, it's a win-win. I get to walk with God here and when my life here is over, I get to live with God there. I can't lose. Keep that idea in mind. Because, as we all know, David knew a thing or two about suffering, didn't he? David knew a thing or two about life-threatening peril at every turn. Do you remember what he said elsewhere in the Psalms relative to that? I'm not going to have you turn here, but I'll tell you what they are if you're taking notes. And just listen. Listen to some of the other words of David from the Psalms. Psalm 27, verses 1, 3, and 4. Listen to this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek. That I may dwell in the house, of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. 
Did armies encamp against David? Yes. Did David have problems? Yes. Did David have life-threatening situations? Yes. But he said, you know what? You know what? In spite of all those things, my heart's not going to fear because I only have one desire in this life. That's to live in the house of God. That's what matters most. That's the only thing that matters. Psalm 56 was believed to have been written by David about the time he was captured by the Philistines in Gath. By the way, if you know anything about David, you know the Philistines didn't like him very much, right? <laughs> David was responsible for a whole lot of Philistine deaths. He made a whole lot of Philistine women widows. They didn't care much for him. But when he was believed to have been captured by them, Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4, this is what David wrote. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. If we were to look over in 1 Chronicles 28, 20, when King David is getting ready to turn the kingdom over to his son, the responsibility of building the temple over to his son Solomon, this is what he said. He said, be strong and of good courage and do it. Do not fear, Solomon. Do not fear, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God, my God, will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. What, what a beautiful and incredible, this, this is all the way through the Bible. All of God's children, all of God's people, that is, who have ever fully and faithfully believed in and belonged to him, have always enjoyed access to this beautiful promise you don't need to fear anything, ever. God's message to his people in Isaiah's day who were facing terrible peril was exactly the same. Isaiah chapter 41, verses 10 and 13 read as follows. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. If God says, yes, I will help you, does that mean he's going to? Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Verse 13 of Isaiah 41, For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I'll help you. We could read of other passages such as Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 and, and see how those who understand that the Lord is always there for them and they have access to, these, to his promises thrive. But the thing I want us to understand is this doesn't just stop in the Old Testament. It isn't something that comes to an end when we start the book of Matthew. Jesus in Matthew chapter 10 was instructing his disciples. And he was instructing his disciples, I can say that word, he was instructing his disciples about those who would seek to take their lives the same way they were going to take his. And you know, as Jesus is talking to them about these men who would want to take their lives, life-threatening peril, you know, you know what, what Jesus, Jesus said to them? In Matthew 10, Verses 24 through 31, he said three times, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. And consider this, 
When Jesus encountered Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, whose little daughter was deathly ill, and then she actually died, you remember, remember what he told Jairus in Mark 5 and verse 36? He said, do not be afraid. Most of all, do you call what Jesus told his disciples the last evening before he was crucified, before he was arrested and scourged and beaten and crucified? Do you remember how many times he told them, listen, you don't have to be afraid. Consider with me the following passages. John 14, 1, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. John 14, 27, he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's John 14, 27. A little later on that same evening, in John 15 and verse 11, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. He wants you to be joyful, not fearful. And finally, in John 16, 32 and 3, he said this. Indeed, the hour is coming, and yes, now has come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. Their world is about to fall. Understand, their world is about to fall apart. Not only is the roof going to fall in, the floor is going to fall out from under it, and they're going to be caught in a vacuum. Some of the worst things that have ever happened to these men are about to happen. Jesus is going to be crucified, and everything they believed in for the last three years is going to come to a screeching halt, and they're not going to understand about the kingdom, and they're going to see their Savior crucified. It's all going, they're going to lose everything, or so it looks, over the course of those three days. What does Jesus say? You're going to be scattered, again, John 16, 32, each to his own and will leave me alone. Verse 33 says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Even though you're going to be devastated, you can still have peace. In the world, he says, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. He said, yeah, there's going to be problems, but don't worry about it. I've overcome the world. Do you really believe everything I've told you tonight? Do you or not? Everything I've done, I've, I've quoted scripture, and I'm not done. Do you know that the writer of Hebrews, as we make our way through the scripture, in Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, the writer of Hebrews even tells us that Jesus came, check this out, Jesus came to eradicate even the fear of death. That's right. Jesus came so we wouldn't even have to fear death itself. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. So that we may boldly say, as the Hebrew writer also wrote, in 13, 6, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. As we get to the last book of the Bible, we get up into Revelation. When the first century congregation of our very brethren in Smyrna, when those brethren were facing massive persecution and tribulation, they were facing imprisonment and maybe even death, maybe even death for their faith, They were told there's no reason to fear or to panic. Just continue to trust in and remain faithful to the Lord your God, Revelation 2 and verse 10. Because as the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 7, 
God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And brethren, we must use that sound mind today to trust God and not fear, even when those all around us who do not know our God are reacting in a panic-driven frenzy. Or, as it says in Isaiah 8:12, according to the English Standard Version, do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy, and do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. Isaiah 8 and verse 12, ESV. It's a lot like that lesson, those two lessons that I preached last Sunday. Remember those two lessons on study Bibles? We talked about the line and we talked about what's below the line is man's word, what's above the line is God's word, and if we confuse the two, we're really going to get a messed up message. It's the same idea. Those who do not know God sometimes are driven by panic and fear. But those of us who know God need to take the word of God, all of those words that I read to us at the beginning, and understand we don't need to live in fear of anything or anyone. There's a great comparison of these two mindsets in Acts 27, and I'm not going to read much, but I'm going to ask you to turn there. There's a great comparison illustration of this who do you trust and belong to truth in Acts 27. And I, I really want you to see this. I, I love this particular breakdown. In Acts chapter 27, as this terrible, tempestuous, life-threatening storm is raging. It is just raging. These men are in fear for their lives. It is just raging all around them. We see the desperate efforts of these seasoned, but still pagan sailors, summarized in verses 13 through 20, wherein we find words like difficulty, verse 16, Fearing, verse 17. Exceedingly tempest-tossed, verse 18. Beat on us, verse 20. And finally, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up, verse 20. This is what the seasoned but pagan sailors who did not know God, this, is the, this shows you their mindset, the hopelessness and the fear in this life-threatening situation. But what I want you to do, brethren, is I want you to contrast that, those words and that mindset with the words of the man of God amongst them, Paul. Now, Paul was both literally and figuratively in the same boat as they were. He was in the same storm that they were. He was facing the same life and death peril that they were, but he has a completely different perspective because he knows this God who says, do not fear for I am with you. Even in this, this life-threatening storm as it's raging about, his, his life is the same as theirs and they, they're all in the same boat, but I want you to notice the difference in the words. Notice his words of calm, faithful, common sense reassurance in verses 21 through 26 where we see phrases like, 
you should have listened to me, verse 21. Take heart, verse 22. There will be no loss of life among you, verse 22. Do not be afraid, verse 23. Take heart, second time, we see it in verse 25. Take heart, for I believe in God, verse 25. Do you see the difference? Same boat, same storm, same peril, two totally different mindsets. Those who don't know God are scared to death. The man who does know God says, take heart. It's going to be okay. I believe God. All who have ever fully and faithfully believed in and belonged to God have always enjoyed access to his blessed promise that they need never fear nor be afraid no matter what is going on in their world. Our world today is in the midst of a nasty, tempestuous, and life-threatening storm known as COVID-19 or the coronavirus. It's a terrible storm of a virus causing, at least as far as most of our lifetimes are concerned, unprecedented mass hysteria. When's the last time that you knew of the, the four major sports leagues to shut down in your lifetime? This thing is causing mass hysteria and panic in the political, the medical, the athletic, the academic, the economic, and all of the other world infrastructure. And just like that storm in verse 27, we're all in the same boat. But also, just like with that deadly situation found in Acts 27, you and I, like the faithful man of God on that boat, have absolutely no reason to fear what they fear or to allow those who do not know and belong to God as we do to cause you and I to start sinking into the same depths of despair and panic that they are. We don't. Now don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Hear me out. This is a serious situation. Yes, it is. Any one death from this thing is too many. Any one is one too many. Older folks with any sort of heart or lung or other health problem need to pay attention and need to take precautions. Reasonable. Reasonable precautions. Yes, they do. Be totally honest, I don't want it. I don't want anybody I love to get it. I don't want anybody else to die from it. And hence, I will be careful and take reasonable precautions in order not to get it. But brethren, at the same time, as a child of the living God, I absolutely refuse to live in fear. I refuse to live in panic or to stop living because those who don't know God ready to pull the hair out over this thing. As a child of the living God, I refuse to get caught up and consumed in the mass hysteria of the mass media. The news is not dictating my life, God is. You know what I want to do during this storm? 
I want to let my light shine for Jesus Christ in a dark background. That's all I'm concerned about. Listen. Look in your Bibles again at Acts 27, 18 through 20. Do you suppose the fear on that ship was contagious? Do you suppose as they threw the tackle overboard and these men are fearing for their lives, do you suppose that fear was contagious? Suppose it spread pretty easy? Probably spread easy in the coronavirus does. I'm sure it did. You know why? No, the text doesn't say that. You know why I'm sure that that fear spread really quickly and it was contagious? Because fear is always contagious. Acts 5.5, 5, Acts 5.11, Acts 19.17, fear is contagious. It spreads quickly. And the news media knows this. Fear sells. Panic sells. And seeing how the title, well, let me, let me talk about this. How many of you remember Y2K? Remember that? Y2K. Man, the world's going to come to an end. We're going to go to sleep the last night of 1999. The computers are going to stop. Wall Street's going to crash. The world's coming to an end. Do you know what I did that night? Went to bed, went to sleep, got up the next morning, continued to live, probably like most of you did. But all it was going to be the end of everything as we knew it. Remember the bird flu? Remember the swine flu? You know, it's like, let me skip that point. Seeing as how the title of this sermon is Christianity, Corona, and Common Sense, and yes, that is the title, and seeing as how we've already touched on Christianity and Corona, how about a little common sense tonight? Can we do a little common sense during a sermon? Can we, God gave us a brain. Can we do a little common sense? We're going to. I'm going to give you a little common sense perspective that you probably won't see emphasized on too many news outlets these days. Listen to these numbers. If you're taking notes, consider this. I did a lot of research this week. Objective research, CDC website, a lot of other places, several other places. Please listen to these numbers carefully. In the U.S., as of the middle of last week, there were 1,500 cases of coronavirus confirmed. 1,500 in the U.S. as of last week, resulting in 41 deaths. Any one is one too many. But do you know what that means? 1,500 confirmed cases, 41 deaths. You know what that means? It means that 1,459 of those people who got it did not die. Do you know that that is 97.3% it was not fatal? 97.3%. Now listen to some of the news. You think everybody that's got this thing is going to die. Consider. Worldwide, as of the middle of this past week, there were 118,000 confirmed cases of the coronavirus, resulting in 4,300 deaths. Do you know what that means? That means that 113,700, or 96.4% of those who've had it worldwide, even in China, have not died. Think about those numbers. And just for perspective, this blows my mind. The coronavirus has been blamed for 41 deaths in the United States as of the middle of last week. 
According to the CDC, that is the Centers for Disease Control website themselves, you can go look this up. The CDC says that between October the 1st of 2019, a few months ago, October the 1st, last year, to February 1st of this year, it's four months, that the people who have died from the flu, influenza, is a minimum of, are you ready for this? A minimum of 12,000. As a matter of fact, they say, quote, at least 12,000 people have died from influenza and the number of deaths may be as high as 30,000. 30,000 people in four months have died of the flu. 41 from coronavirus. Is that the ratio you see of coverage in the news today? What that means is there are 732 times more people that have died of the flu in the past four months than have died of coronavirus. 732 times! But you're not seeing a word about that, are you? Just for a little perspective. Do you know why there isn't 732 times the outcry? Because the flu is old news. It doesn't sell like this new crisis. That's why. Further common sense perspective. Did you know that according to Google in 2019, last year, an estimated 38,800 people died in car crashes, almost 40,000 fatalities on US roads, 40 thousand nearly 41 people have died of coronavirus you are a thousand times more likely to get killed driving to church than you are of the coronavirus a thousand times how many of you got into your car tonight absolutely petrified to drive here a thousand times more afraid than you are of the coronavirus and yet that's what the numbers say as far as deaths, and yet we don't hear about the 38,800 last year that died in car crashes. Finally, check this out. And all I'm saying is, is just get, get a little common sense perspective here. Don't, don't let people who don't know God get you carried away in their fear. Get a little perspective. Check this out. Do you know how many people that the National Cancer Institute estimated would die in the year 2019 of cancer? Here's the number. 606,880 people. 41 of corona. That means that for every person that's died of the coronavirus, 14 1,802 people died of cancer last year. Is that the proportion of coverage that you see today? No. And don't even get me started on the one million or so unborn children that have been killed in this country and lost their lives. CDC website says regarding the coronavirus, reported illnesses have ranged from very mild including some with no reported symptoms, to severe, including 
illness resulting in death. A report out of China, China, there's not an R on that, a report out of China suggests serious illness occurs in 16% of coronavirus cases. Serious is only 16%. Again, any, anybody sick is too much. Any death is too many. I, I'm with you. Why do I tell you this tonight? Because I want to encourage you, and I want to comfort you, and I want to strengthen you, and I don't want you to fear. Use a little common sense. Look at the promises that God has made. I do it tonight because we are in a world gone CV viral and coronavirus crazy. That's why. The world has gone crazy. To help you as a child of the living God to remember that if we constantly listen to people who do not know our God on anything, you'll find a different subject. If we continually listen to those who do not know our God, we can eventually become so scared and so consumed with the same fear that they are that we allow their fear-driven and panic-filled perspective to control us, to consume us, to overtake us, to overshadow us, and to cause us to lose the peace and the comfort and the joy that Jesus Christ died so you could have. Did Jesus die so that you could have joy? Did he die so that you could have peace? Did he die so that you wouldn't have to worry, even to take away the fear of death? And when we let people who do not know our God take their fear and drive it so hard, if that's all we get and we forget who we are, then God's mission to give us peace and joy, even in the darkest of times, is negated. It's wasted. And I love us all, and I want to see us live for Jesus with joy every day. Don't, don't let yourself be consumed by this. Because such all-consuming fear often isolates and neutralizes and prohibits us as Christians from even caring or daring to, to take the message and spread the gospel with it. As it says in Proverbs 29, 25, listen to this. The fear of man brings a snare. If you get into that fear, it will tie you up. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. It's children of the living God tonight. You know, we must not let anything from cancer to car crashes, to coronavirus, or anything else cause us to live in fear and trembling instead of faith and trusting. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. I am not gonna let somebody take the joy that I have in Jesus. And I'm begging you not to let them do it to you. And again, I'm not talking about being unobservant. I'm not talking about being unprepared. I'm not talking about testing God. I'm not talking about not taking reasonable precautions. But what I am talking about is not letting fear take over and consume our lives and our faith and our thoughts and our service the way a lot of people that don't know God have done. I have a final passage for you to look at tonight. Do you remember what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 1, 20 and 21? Please turn there. And please, 
and I want this recorded. I want you to hear it. So I, I, I want everybody to understand this. Please don't go away from here tonight and say, Doug doesn't think this is serious. Doug doesn't think this is real. If it were a death in my family to the coronavirus, it would be real. And it's just as real to those, it's just as real to the world. I under, I'm not belittling this thing. Don't, don't get that idea. But what I am telling you is we as Christians cannot live in fear. We need to live in the joy of the Lord. Look what Paul said in Philippians 1, 20 and 21. He says, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now, so now also, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Do you know what that means? Do you know what it means to live as Christ, to die is gain? Here's, here's what that means. That means that while I'm here, I'm going to live for Jesus. It means I'm not going to fear, and I'm not going to let fear be my God. I'm not going to let fear be my master. I'm not going to let panic and crisis of those who don't know God determine who I am. I'm going to live for Jesus Christ, and I'm not going to live in fear. And if I get this thing, and I die. I get to go and be with the Lord. Remember that phrase I said earlier about a win-win? Do we truly believe? Do we really honest, don't, don't want to see you shake your heads or anything else, just, just consider. Do we truly believe the word of God and the promises he made us that if we are faithful to him when we leave this life, we will be with him forever? And everybody in here ought to agree with that statement. Paul's saying, it's a win-win. If I live, I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm not going to worry about the other stuff. And if they take my head off tomorrow in the case of Paul, guess what? <laughs> I get to be with the Lord. To live is Christ, to die is gain. We as New Testament Christians must surely understand and accept that in order to go to heaven, one of these days, we're going to have to get out of this body. 1 Corinthians 15, 50. Someday, in some way, we're going to have to die here before we can live there. And so my question is this, doesn't it make far more sense rather to, than to let those who do not know God cause us to be increasingly more fearful that we let the words of those who do know God cause us to be increasingly more faithful? And I read those words in the beginning. As you go forward and into your week this week, may the sentiments of Isaiah 33.6 be your heart's desire and focus. Isaiah 33.6 says, Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times. Isn't that nice? God's wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is your treasure. What did God say over and over? Don't fear man, don't fear this, don't fear that, don't fear me. Speaking of this upcoming week, I have one other question before I close. How many of you had an opportunity to read the bulletin article this morning? I read it. Okay. Then you know where I'm going with this. If your friend, your neighbor, your family member, coworker, 
If they had one of those very minimal two point whatever percent acute fatal cases of coronavirus, and you had the cure, would you share it with them? Your friend, your family, would you share it with them if you had the cure and they had an acute case and they were going to die, would you? As this morning's bulletin article, for those of you who have read it, and if you haven't, I encourage you to read it. I didn't write the article, somebody else did, Jeff Jenkins, and it's very well done. There is a virus that is far more deadly than the coronavirus could ever be on steroids times a million, and that's the sin virus. It affects everybody. You and I have neighbors and friends and family members who've been infected with the sin virus, and there's only one cure, and that's Jesus Christ. You have the cure to what's going to kill them this week, please get out there and share the cure before it's too late for that person. And tonight, just wanted a little biblical perspective and common sense. You know what I'm going to do when I leave this building tonight besides go eat fries and burgers? <laughs> I'm going to rejoice in the Lord God. And again, I tell you, I'm going to go rejoice. And I'm not going to fear not going to be dumb about it, but I'm not going to fear. God paid too much for me to have joy and peace for me to go out these doors fearing. I'm not going to do it. And I encourage you not to either. Tonight, if you become a child of God and have that peace and that promise that you need never fear anything, we can baptize you into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you're somebody who's really been worried about this, then that's okay. My only message tonight is, praise God, you don't have to. That's all. If you've been somebody who's been worried about this, maybe something else in your life will pray for you, will help you to do anything we can so that you do not need to live in fear. If you have a need tonight, we please come to the front as we stand and as we sing.